0: The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by the Oregon Trail, retracing the steps of American pioneers. From exotic locales a continent away, to weekend stays down the highway, pack a suitcase and your vacation imagination, it's time for the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer
1: Radio. Hi, this is Chris Robinson, and on this week's travel show, join me on a great American road trip. Discover America, the national US tourism team, have created a website at discoveramerica.com that has enough bells and whistles to tempt any Canadian to go south of the border. One of the most compelling sections on their website is simply titled Road Trips. But beware, because here you'll find some irresistible American road trips that you've always dreamt of taking. And I've selected one of the most iconic of them all, the Oregon Trail. The Oregon Trail is a 3,500 a half thousand-kilometer historic pioneer wagon route that connected the Missouri River to the Pacific Ocean coast. The eastern part of the Oregon Trail spanned Kansas, Nebraska and Wyoming. The western half of the trail crossed Idaho and into Oregon. From 1835 to 1869, the Oregon Trail and its many offshoots were used by about 400,000 settlers and ranchers and farmers and miners and of course their families. When the first transcontinental railroad was completed in 1869, the trip west became much faster, cheaper, and safer. Today, Modern roads still follow parts of the same course westward and pass through towns originally established to serve those using the Oregon Trail. And it's those roads we'll be travelling over the next week, starting in Independence, Missouri. There is something about a long road trip that is simply thrilling to the soul. The open road, the anticipation of what's around the next corner, a sense of getting somewhere. My road trip along the Oregon Trail has begun where it began for most of the pioneers in Independence, Missouri, the last outpost on the civilised side of the Missouri River. It's now merged with Kansas City and boasts the excellent National Frontier Trails Museum. Inspired by the tales of the westward-bound pioneers, I want to reach out through time on this road trip to glimpse their journey. And my first such glimpse is here in the Missouri River. Yes, I am actually recording this as I stand up to my knees in the muddy waters of the Missouri. On the far side, the uncivilised side as it was then, where those hundreds of thousands of emigrants trod 150 years ago. I'm a half day's journey now into Kansas at Alcove Spring, where I've arranged to meet Don Musel, trustee of Alcove Spring Park, and an expert on this part of the Oregon Trail. Thanks very much indeed, uh, Don, for showing me this landmark. It's just one of many trail attractions in this region, of course. Uh, Tell me first about the National Frontier Trails Museum in Independence, Missouri.
2: The Trails Museum is a wonderful place to get started on any trip on the Oregon-California Trail. It's got interpretive things that will, will show you what they faced as they headed into this trip we went on
1: last night we saw the old prairie town at ward mead historical site in topeka kansas
2: and that really gives you a sense of the time too yes it does it shows you a little bit about what it was like when they left this area back 150 years ago of course the oregon trail was
1: very much history in the making for a a generation from what 1840 to
2: 1870 or so can you describe its, its overall significance the Oregon Trail was a huge part of America. It instigated the settling in the western states, but particularly the West Coast states, California. At least a quarter of a million, maybe even more, people traveled there over the twenty-five, thirty years that the trail was active before the railroads came in. And one in ten didn't make it. One in ten did not make it. Well, we stand talking here at alcove uh, spring
1: itself, and it's, it's it's simply it's a magical place to come to. Can you perhaps paint a picture for our listeners?
2: Sure. Alco Spring is part of the area where the tall grass prairie merged into the shorter grass prairies farther west. Uh, in the spring of the year, it would have been nice and green. The uh, water been running would have been running in most of the streams. Uh, plenty of food for the livestock, and it was one of the easier parts of the trails transport-wise. Uh, good water, good food, plenty of food for the livestock, everybody was fresh. Uh, we've tried to maintain the area as closely as we can to what it was 150 years ago. And you can still see the the names, the initials carved into the rock. Exactly, we have we have members of the Donner Reed Party uh, carved into the rock. The name Alco Spring in the rock that was carved one hundred and. 60 50 60 years ago and you can still see the swales where the wagons ran the swales are very visible on the west side of the park there's a huge area of swales coming across the meadow where they headed down to cross the river and head farther west
1: yeah. and you, you, you really get transported back to the times of the 1840s 1850s when this was the last of the good times as far as the wagon trains were concerned it got tougher from here it did it got
2: much tougher as it got farther west
1: Well, thank you so much, Don, for uh, sharing Alcove Spring and its memories with me and uh, our listeners. Thank you. My road trip west along the Oregon Trail continues in Nebraska. Hour after hour of rolling open roads with little traffic, cornfields to the horizon and big, big skies. Lincoln is Nebraska's state capital. It's a laid-back city with a funky downtown and a quirkily towered capital building. Now, in the middle of the state, I have come to Fort Kearney, a pivotal point on the Oregon Trail. This is where all the westward trails converged on the Platte River. So, a military post was built to protect the wagon trains in 1848. It was also a stop for the Pony Express. And now a historical park recreates the time of the pioneers with reconstructed buildings, an interpretive centre and most evocatively of all, perhaps, the Oregon Trail Waggons. This is a great stop on the road trip and points me ever westwards towards more famous landmarks on the trail, Courthouse Rock, Chimney Rock and impressive Scotts Bluff. It's 1850 and a long line of wagons are moving in single file around a mighty bluff on the Oregon Trail. Wow, it must have been quite the sight, Dan.
3: Yes, it was. People come across the flat plains and up to the Bluff and were able to look out to the west and look at the vast expanse that they had to travel yet that day.
1: Yeah, I'm speaking with
3: Dan Morford,
1: who is the superintendent here at Scotts Bluff National Monument. Dan, give us a sense of the, of the history of this place.
3: Well, you know, the, the history is, is it's very long. We started back in the 1840s. Um, people wanting to go out west they came through this area because it was one of the few places that they could get along the north platte river and continue the westward track out to oregon
1: yeah as i say quite the site what can today's road trippers such as myself experience here at this site at, at scotts bluff
3: Here at Scotts Bluff, we have two things that we're able to provide the visitors. We have a nice visitor center that can give you the history, have some artifacts in there that people can look at. We have a nice movie that explains the Oregon Trail and Scotts Bluff and the history. But also, we have the road to the top, of which we are standing at today, uh, looking out to the west and to the east. And to the east, we can see Chimney Rock. Look out to the west, you can see the vast uh, uh, expanse that the pioneers had yet to travel before they even hit the Rocky Mountains. So it gives the visitor just a sense of what the pioneers saw back in the um, 1800s.
1: Right, and uh, you mentioned Chimney Rock, and on my way here, I stopped off at some of the other Oregon Trail landmarks uh, in Nebraska, like Chimney Rock and Courthouse Rock. And I guess these were like uh, GPS signposts
3: for those uh, early pioneers, weren't they? Yes, they were. You know, We didn't have the modern technology we have today, and once they found landmarks, they were well marked on maps. They were uh, documented in diaries, and so people could get a hold of those, and that was their roadmap. They would follow those directions, and once they got to Chimney Rock, once they got to Mitchell Pass, then they, you know, they knew they were on the the right track because they they headed west.
1: Yes. Well, here
3: we stand atop what four and a half thousand foot high.
1: Yes. Yes. On uh, on Scotts Bluff, and we look out over the world. It's a Glorious, glorious view. First thing in the morning, with the uh, the sun barely risen in the sky. A beautiful temperature. Pine trees uh, on the top here, and a cool wind blowing. It must have been a, a real uh, amazing experience for those early pioneers to stand on top here and look at, at where they were going out west.
3: Yes, I think it was. You know, it uh, it gave them a, a a place to to rest. Um, they, they, a, lot, a lot of them uh, stopped uh, for the night or so. They normally did not spend a lot of time here because they were headed that west. Oh, moving through. <laughs> yeah. Thank
1: you very much indeed for your, your evocative interpretation of Scott's Bluff, Dan. And it's now it's uh, time to stretch our legs, I think, on one or two of the trails up here. Okay, let's go. To find out more about the road trip I'm on and many more right across America, check out discoveramerica.com. You can also go to ChrisRobinsonTravelShow.com to find all the website links in the show and so much more. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back and heading west and north into South Dakota and Wyoming to visit two of the greatest American travel icons, Mount Rushmore and Yellowstone National Park. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show. The best view of New York City is
4: through the lens of director Spike Lee at DiscoverAmerica.com. Ponder that over a glass of award-winning Oregon wine. DiscoverAmerica.com exists for one reason. To help you experience the United States of America in ways that few tourists do. Count yourself among the lucky ones and DiscoverAmerica.com. Discover this land like never before
5: into fashion at Hakeem Optical. The leaves changing colors signals a perfect time to update your eyes with two cool styles from only $199. Cut out the glare and upgrade to the ultimate sunglasses. Polarized prescription lenses from only $90. Also, just for kids, two pair, including Unbreakables lenses from $98. Hakeem Optical is always saving you money on fashionable eyewear. Your
6: eyes can have it
4: all
5: at Hakeem.
6: Hi, this is Kathy from the family-owned Waterford Retirement Community. Here's our owner's daughter, Allison. Windsong is a specialized wing in our
7: home, dedicated for ladies with Alzheimer's and other dementias. My grandmother suffered from Alzheimer's disease, so we as a family decided to develop a secure neighborhood where our residents maintain their independence and ensure security and quality of life. We have adapted Montessori-styles programming in a cozy home-like environment for our ladies and an inviting place for our residents and their family to call home.
6: WaterfordRetirement.com, Barry, Kingston, and Ottawa. Hey, Toronto,
8: it's time to see the pros get back on the ice and let your fan out with a few thousand of your closest friends. Start with the StubHub app for seats you'll love whenever you want. Plus, you can personalize the StubHub app with your teams and artists and grab great tickets. And because every purchase is backed by the StubHub Fan Protect Guarantee, you can buy and sell with confidence. So get the StubHub app today. StubHub, let your fan out.
9: So I'm heading to the bingo hall. I'm pretty excited to go again.
10: A bit nervous to go again.
9: Playing makes me feel good, you know? Makes me feel guilty, you know? I think I'll buy a few more cards this time. Okay. I think I might be spending too much. It's much more fun that way. Less fun than it used to be. I'm really looking forward to trying my luck again. You, I don't know if I should try my luck again. If your gambling gives you
7: mixed feelings, tune into them. Learn how at knowthesigns.ca. A message from the Responsible Gambling Council.
9: Hi, I'm Gail, a client care rep at TELUS.
7: What's the big
0: news, Gail?
9: The new iPhone 6S has arrived at TELUS. Tell
0: me more.
9: The new iPhone is the best yet, and TELUS is the best national wireless carrier to get iPhone.
0: That's worth repeating.
9: You bet. TELUS is the best national wireless carrier for iPhone. What am I waiting
11: for? You got this, Gail.
9: Visit TELUS today and experience the new iPhone 6S on Canada's most reliable 4G mobile network.
0: The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by The Oregon Trail, retracing the steps of American pioneers. He's been there, done that, and wants to go back. You're listening
1: to The Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio. Hi and welcome back to the Chris Robinson Travel Show. We've already travelled through Missouri, Kansas and Nebraska on our road trip along the Oregon Trail. And since one of the delights of a road trip is that you can go as you please and stop where you will, now we're leaving the Oregon Trail for a while and heading off on a little side trip. We're heading out to see one of the great cultural icons of America, Mount Rushmore, and one of the great American natural wonders – Yellowstone National Park. We've all seen images of the great granite faces of the American presidents at Mount Rushmore. But let me tell you that they cannot prepare you for the real thing. Maureen McGee-Ballinger is the Chief of Interpretation and Education for the, uh, the Parks National Park Service here at Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. Maureen, do you ever get used to those expressions of amazement on people's faces as they gaze up for the first time?
7: I never get used to it. And one of the things I really enjoy is walking out and just watching people's reactions.
1: So who built this magnificent place? Who built Mount Rushmore?
7: Well, the carving was conceived of by a state historian, but it was actually constructed by the artist Gutzon Borglum and about 400 workers.
1: Wow. And and why? Why was it done?
7: Well, Don Robinson, the state historian, he loved his state of South Dakota, and he wanted to bring people here. It was all about tourism, and it worked!
1: <laughs> so how many people actually come through to, to see this each year?
7: We have about 2.8 million visitors a year. Wow!
1: And the total population of the state is what?
7: About 800,000 in the state of South Dakota. <laughs>
1: so there are more visitors than there are yes. inhabitants of yes, South Dakota. Indeed. Oh, Well, first of all, I've got to really find out how on earth did they get up there and carve those faces? It does look a little daunting. It looks impossible.
7: They had to build a staircase, and it was a little bit rickety. Some of the guys didn't like it, but over 700 steps. And the stairs were made out of the trees they found in the area, the ponderosas.
1: We ought to, I suppose, describe what we're we're looking at here. It's it's four American presidents carved into an enormous cliff face. How how high?
7: It's approximately 500 feet high. Each head... Is about six stories. If you want to compare, the nose is about two stories.
1: Oh, and which American presidents are honored like this?
7: George Washington, and George has the biggest nose. He's actually 21 feet long with his nose. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and Theodore Roosevelt.
1: And one thing that uh, occurs to everyone here is is there space for any more? <laughs>
7: There really isn't any more space. All the carvable rock has been used, but even if it hadn't, it's a work of art. You wouldn't change another artist's work.
1: No, it looks perfect. And this blue skies behind it and the sunshine and the the shadows creeping across the faces. It's wonderful.
7: Yeah, it's beautiful any time of the year. I see people who come up and their first look, they say, oh my gosh, it's so much better. Bigger than i thought
1: my last question for you maureen for visitors coming here do you have an insider's tip on, on what to do or where to go to get that special moment
7: if you can come in the fall beautiful time to come not as many visitors and the aspens and the the trees are turning a kind of a golden yellow it's beautiful
1: well it's a wonderful spot maureen thank you so much for your guidance here and i can certainly see why mount rushmore has become such an american icon
7: you're welcome and thank you for coming to enjoy mount rushmore
1: From Mount Rushmore in South Dakota, I have driven north and west into Wyoming and right across this scenic state. The driving was road tripping at its finest. Huge, expansive landscapes, great stretches of open road that dissolved into the horizon and almost no traffic at all. The most stunning part of this segment was the mountain road over the Bighorn National Forest. Mountain ridges, canyons, switchbacks, wildlife aplenty and an 8,500 foot mountain pass. But all this has been but a prelude to one of America's greatest natural splendours, Yellowstone National Park. I'm at the park headquarters at Mammoth Hot Springs in the north of the park with Amy Bartlett, park's spokesperson for Yellowstone National Park. Now, Amy, Yellowstone has so many and such varied attractions – How does the visitor decide what to see?
9: I mean, you're right. With 2.2 million acres, there is a lot to see in the park. But most people will choose those iconic features like the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone or Old Faithful as some of their highlights of their trip.
1: The history of this park is amazing. This holds a notable first, doesn't it?
9: Yeah, I mean, it was, it was created in 1872 as the very first park in the, in the world, very first national park, you know, so it is, it's, it's quite a historic park. So
1: Yellowstone is really where it all started.
9: It is, you know, and in fact, um, the park service wasn't created till 1916, but the centennial celebration is coming up just next year.
1: So that's going to be a big year for, for visitors to the park.
9: It is, you know, we're going to have some special events and celebrations happening, especially around August 25th of 1916, which is the actual day that marks the centennial.
1: Right. Now, the one defining thing, I suppose, about the park is, is geology, its geology, its physical presence. Tell us a little bit about why it's so unique here in Yellowstone.
9: Well, yeah, we like to say in the park that without a volcano, Yellowstone really wouldn't exist. It really is the, the caldera and the magma plume that's located under Yellowstone that really creates and is the reason for all the, the thermal features, the hot springs, the mud pots, the geysers that make Yellowstone so you know unique.
1: But there's no volcano here now, of course. This is in the geologic past.
9: That's correct. I mean, there's still a magma chamber, there's still a caldera, but it's not a true volcano like you would expect to see. It's not a true cone feature like you expect to see in other you know, national parks or other volcanoes.
1: So no need for visitors to, to worry, just just to admire what uh, nature has wrought with all that uh, hot stuff happening beneath, just, just beneath the surface here in Yellowstone.
9: It's correct. There's no need to worry, but you can come and marvel at the changes that are happening every single day in our thermal areas, you know, from the magma chamber and the changing, you know, environment and the changing heat.
1: And nature's signature mark here, of course, with all that is is the classic old faithful.
9: It's true. It is really one of the iconic features in Yellowstone. People come and, and you know, most people can come and, vi- and see Old Faithful. If they're not able to see other things, they can usually, you know, plan a trip around Old Faithful because it does erupt so frequently.
1: So you get these geezers, you get these uh, hot springs and the terraces, uh, all of this. But you get another marvel of Mother Nature, and that's, of course, the wildlife here.
9: Yeah, you know, in addition to the geysers, there are, it's amazing, you know, the wildlife here, there have been, you know, bison in this area, you know, since prehistoric times, actually, you know, they're, they reached a low, but you know, they are back and recovered. There's grizzly bear, elk, coyote, moose, wolves. I mean, you can pretty much see almost any wildlife that you want to see in the greater United States, located just here in Yellowstone.
1: And just driving into into the park headquarters here, we saw herds of, of bison just everywhere. And literally making the turning into your car park here was this huge great bull elk with this enormous antlers just strutting his stuff.
9: He does. You know, we definitely, we get groups of elk here every fall and they, you know, you'll see them battle it out, trying to gather their harem of females to get ready for the next, you know, offspring next spring. And I mean, it gets to be quite exciting where you got to look where when you're walking out a door to make sure there's not an elk, you know, just around the corner to to welcome you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Amy, you, you live and work here in the park and, you know, they don't there aren't many jobs as, as, as wonderful as that, I suspect. What hidden secret would you perhaps um, divulge to our listeners not so much of a secret of course if you do but uh, what would it be if someone is coming to the park for the first time like like I am
9: oh you know I mean it is it's a great backyard there are a lot of things, I mean, like I said, I think people tend to always go see Old Faithful, but if you really have time and you 're down at Old Faithful, Grand Geyser is the tallest predictable geyser in the world, and it 's right there, you know just a, less than a mile from Old Faithful, the geyser itself so while you 're down there, you can walk over to Grand Geyser and see it, and you know they predict it it's usually erupts at least twice a day and it 's just an amazing sight to see. Wow. Uh, you know, the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone is dear to my heart. It's where I started out here in the park, and it's a phenomenal sight. I mean, there are a number of spots you can see along the rims there that I definitely recommend people get out and hike a little just to, you know, see one of those lookouts.
1: Well, thank you so much, Amy, for sharing just some of Yellowstone's treasures with us today.
9: Oh, you're welcome, and hopefully you guys get to go visit some of those.
1: Amy was so right in her insights on Yellowstone National Park. The Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone is a mighty gash in the high plateau through which the Yellowstone River plunges into mighty falls. Hot springs and boiling mud pots line the roadside and I watched Old Faithful Giza erupt in an upward surge of steam and boiling water. I even came close to a huge grizzly bear in his natural environment. But today's leg of the journey held a magnificent encore in store a second national park that lies just south of its more famous neighbour. It's Grand Teton National Park, and as I speak, I'm standing beside pretty Jenny Lake in the midst of the park. Across the lake, soaring crests of jagged peaks reach almost 14,000 feet. The evening rays of sunshine illuminate perennial snows and even small glaciers. And just a few minutes ago, a great bull elk with spreading antlers haughtily shepherd his harem of cow elks away from my astonished gaze. It's a fitting end to a memorable day of natural wonders on this road trip. To find out more about other road trips all over the US, seek out the discoveramerica.com website, go to the explore tab and click on road trips for a whole range of suggested road trips from the Oregon Trail to the Blues Highway to Route 66. And don't worry if you can't remember all of this. All you need to know is at chrisrobinsontravelshow.com. We're going to take a quick break now to perhaps have a word with Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. And when we come back, we'll be on the trail again, this time in Idaho. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show.
4: The best view of New York City is through the lens of director Spike Lee. At discoveramerica.com. Ponder that over a glass of award-winning Oregon wine. Discoveramerica.com exists for one reason. To help you experience the United States of America in ways that few tourists do. Count yourself among the lucky ones. And discoveramerica.com. Discover this land like never before.
5: An important message from the National Citizens Coalition.
4: On
0: October 19th, Canadians are faced with an important decision. Do you want a government that will increase taxes on families and businesses, or do you want a government that will cut spending and lower taxes? Justin Trudeau and the Liberals are proposing policies that will increase taxes and increase the size and cost of government. That means more money out of your pockets to pay for bigger government. And that means less jobs. After all, bigger governments don't create jobs. Lower taxes create jobs. Businesses and the people who invest in them create jobs. On October 19th, vote for less government spending and lower taxes. Vote for the party that plans to spend the least and tax the least.
5: For more information, visit us at nationalcitizens.ca and click on our Election Center. And then make a choice on October 19th. You can vote for increased taxes and bigger government Or you can vote for less taxes and better government. That's nationalcitizens.ca.
4: The Rose Theatre Brampton proudly presents The Sinatra Century, starring Billy Stritch and Jim Caruso, celebrating the historic centennial of Frank Sinatra's legacy. An evening of sensational musical fun, brilliant comedic timing, and unique vocal stylings of two of New York City's internationally acclaimed performers. Enjoy the hits Come Fly With Me, The Best Is Yet To Come, Witchcraft, and many more. October 15th at the Rose Theatre Brampton Call 905-874-2800 or buy online at rosetheatre.ca
0: Ladies and gentlemen get ready for the greatest
4: sale on earth This weekend, Canada's largest leather store has its biggest clearance event ever. The Hyde House Big Tent Event, with huge savings on wool, leather, down coats, and accessories. At the Hyde House, save thousands on leather sofas, recliners, chairs, and home decor, all under the big top. The Big Tent Event. Don't miss it at the Hyde House, today through Thanksgiving Monday. It's worth the drive to Acton. The Wellness Belt, have you heard of it? If you're suffering from chronic back pain, listen to Michelle.
6: My name is Michelle. I put on the belts uh, four days ago. Since putting on the belt, almost instantly, once I put it on, uh, the pain in my back, my spine, and my neck was gone.
4: The Wellness Belt, it works. It's guaranteed. Visit our new website or pick up the phone and change your life. Visit wellnessbelts.com or call 1 800 978 2358. For a limited time, we're offering 25% off all stock.
0: The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by the Oregon Trail, retracing the steps of American pioneers. Crossing oceans and borders with no passport
1: required. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Chris Robinson Travel Show, where we're on location on a great American road trip, traveling the full length of the Oregon Trail. And there is perhaps no state along the trail where the legacy of that great trek west is more apparent than in the mountainous state of Idaho. Well, we've left Wyoming behind and rejoined the Oregon Trail as it enters Idaho here in Montpellier, which also happens to be the location of the National Oregon-California Trail Center. And the executive director of this center, Becky Smith, has allowed me to join the tour
11: here. And what a tour it's been. For the next five to five and a half months, 2,000 miles, I'm going to be your wagon master. Now it is my job to get you folks from Independence, Missouri, to Oregon City, Oregon, hopefully alive and healthy. When I say hopefully alive, we lose 18% of our people on the trail, 10% to cholera, 8% to engine accidents. 18 out of 100 will die, 1 out of 6 That's a lot of people, ain't it? Having that in mind, are you still all ready to go? Yes! Why do you all want to go to Oregon Territory? What's there? The land. Not just any land, though. Free Free. land. Every man and woman who makes it to Oregon Territory, the government's going to give 160 acres of free land. Married couples, 320 acres, half a section. Oregon Territory being the only place in the United States in 1852 where... You as women can legally own property. Even get your name on the deed, ma'am. Any place else in the United States at that time, if you and your husband owned a piece of property and he died, you would not get that property. One way or another from the year 1838, when the Army Corps of Engineers finished mapping the trail to the year 1914. You heard me correctly, 1914. When the last wagon came through Montpelier here going to Oregon, 101 years ago, May 15th of this year, over 500,000 people will make that journey. Over 80,000 people will die on this trail. Becky, just explain what you do here.
10: Well, we introduce folks to what it was like to be a pioneer in the westward migration. Um, We invite them in and it's a very unique way that we introduce them to history. They're visiting an actual campsite on the Oregon Trail And so we allow them to time travel. The best way we learn is hands-on.
1: Right. And you are aided and abetted by your uh, partner here, Dave Higley, who goes by the title of Wagon Master. Dave, what's your role?
11: Well, my role is to lead the tours. My role is also to get those folks ready for the trail, explain the things that they're going to find, the number of people that are going to die. And we try to be as honest with those folks as we can because it's not a very easy trail.
1: It's not, Um, but one of the magical things, of course, about this trail center here is that it's on the very ground where those pioneers would have stayed, would have camped for a few days before moving on westwards.
10: Yes, it's very interesting for some of our visitors who are descendants of these pioneers to actually be in a place where their, their ancestors stayed. It is a portion that's preserved. It is a campsite that is mentioned in the diaries.
1: And as Wagon Master, you ensure that uh, we all know what we're doing. We are participants in the, uh, the great, great Migration westwards, aren't we, as we come through?
11: Well, you actually become the living, breathing pioneers. So all the decisions that we make together as a group are going to be a matter of your life and your death. It becomes very real.
1: Yeah, and as you say, your death, because some of us don't make
11: it through the experience. You know, it's eighty eighty thousand over 80,000 people will die on this trail. It's one out of six. And over 500,000 people went on this trail.
1: Becky, I have experienced so many interpretive centers all over the world, Um, some very, very grand and lavishly uh, uh, paid for by taxpayers' money. But you here, in, in such a modest way, have created an experience that excels just about all of those, because you really do bring it home, what it was like to be a member of a wagon train heading westwards in 1852 on the Oregon Trail.
10: Well, thank you, and my community says thank you, as this facility was put together by local community members. Less than 6,000 people in 100 square miles have done this.
1: Well, Becky and Dave, thank you so much for uh, showing us around and allowing us to experience uh, what visitors experience here at the centre. You're welcome. Another very special place on the Idaho section of the Oregon Trail is something called Register Rock, and I'm with Daniel Brown, a park ranger, And Daniel, we're just above the Snake River here and looking at a very
11: special rock. We are. This is Register Rock, and it's got uh, signatures on there from when the Oregon Trail immigrants came through and stopped here to do their fishing and laundering and mending their gear. And uh, this was the spot that they stopped along the way. And the
1: signs here have the dates, the 1840s, 50s, 60s, when people were coming through here on the Oregon Trail. This is one of those occasions where literally you can reach out and and touch the the, the past.
11: Yes, you can, it doesn't look like it did when the Oregon Trail came through here, it's a lot more lush now, but with the the rocks here, the antiquities, you can sure see that this was a spot that was
1: was special to them as well. And we're just by another special spot, uh,
11: Massacre Rocks. Massacre Rocks, yes sir, that's a state park now. And the Oregon Trail wagon ruts are still visible there. We're a historical, natural park, so that we do celebrate the Oregon Trail coming through.
1: Fantastic, Daniel. This is another lovely clutch of spots on the Oregon Trail here in Idaho. Thank you so much for showing me around. Well, thank you. I'm glad I could share it with you. The Oregon Trail enters Idaho in the southeast corner and winds its scenic way westward across the state to its capital city of Boise. And here I've met up with Nancy Richardson from Idaho Tourism. Well, Nancy, it seems as though Idaho was was simply made for road tripping.
6: It is. We have 30 scenic byways in our state, and that's a national designation. We didn't just say we have 30 scenic byways. They cover everything from desert to alpine to um, broad wheat fields in the Palouse area. So there's a little there's such a vast diversity of of cul- culture and climate and scenery,
1: and that's what we found as we've made our way right across the uh, the state, following the Oregon Trail. Is there is this diversity of scenery, everything from from desert to to woodlands to great gorges. That's right. We've been following the uh, the Snake River along the, the trail for part of the way here. That's very dramatic scenery.
6: Again, such a diversity of um, options. When you leave the Yellowstone area, it's a broad, wide river. You get down to the Twin Falls area and you have the dramatic Snake River Canyon where people actually can jump off of the Prine Bridge and base jump without a permit. It's the only place in the United States you can do this.
1: We saw that. The bridge is almost 500 feet above the, the river. And it's a beautiful bridge. Oh, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yes. Absolutely. And a lot of surprises along the way. For instance, the wineries in Idaho.
6: Well, the volcanic nature of our state, being uh, a part of that whole Yellowstone and the ancient volcanic area, gives a great cinder quality, uh, sandy, well-drained soil that allows us to plant original rootstock. We don't have to graft it like they do on the we- on the far west coast. Um Because it drains so nicely and then again that Snake River plays in and the thermals coming off of it in the winter help the grapes and the the vines not to freeze too hard so that they don't die and they're able to come back in the spring.
1: So we found lots of reasons to come back to Idaho. So we will be bringing the travel trip back to Idaho, I am sure. But of course, the purpose of this is is a road trip. We're following the Oregon Trail. And here we are literally within sight of, of downtown Boise. And you've taken us to an amazing spot. One of the the most tangible um, locations, I think, for us on, on the whole Oregon Trail, where we can see, feel and touch again the history.
6: And this is a great place for those sincere um, Oregon tra- Trail historians because it is so unknown and so well preserved we don't want it to become overrun and um, as you said it's such an authentic experience to actually stand in these ruts and stand on that kelton ramp that was carved in the basalt to get down so the river could be crossed at this place
1: yes we are actually speaking standing astride those ruts made by the wagons of those pioneers and they're still visible today here they're carved into the landscape
6: It's a really special place for us to be. Uh, Many Boiseans even and Idahoans don't realize that we have this preserve. And I think that's one of the things that makes it such a good stopping point is um, it is one of the unknown secrets that is one of the most authentic places along the route. We followed some markers out here. So where the Oregon Trail no longer stands, we still have the historic markers coming through the city of Boise showing exactly where that Oregon Trail came through.
1: Well, thank you, Nancy, for showing us this, this magical spot. And now let's go walk the, uh, the trail ruts. That sounds great. Thank you. To find out more about the great road trips in the US, go to discoveramerica.com website, go to the Explore tab and click on Road Trips. And there you'll see tons of information on all the classic road trip itineraries throughout the US, from New England to Hawaii. And don't worry if you can't remember all of this. All you need to know is at ChrisRobinsonTravelShow.com We're going to take a break to take a leisurely soak in one of Idaho's many hot springs and then we'll climb aboard the wagon train to complete our trip along the Oregon Trail all the way to the Pacific Ocean. You're listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show. The best view of New York City
4: is through the lens of director Spike Lee at DiscoverAmerica.com Ponder that over a glass of award-winning Oregon wine. DiscoverAmerica.com exists for one reason, to help you experience the United States of America in ways that few tourists do. (music) Count yourself among the lucky ones and DiscoverAmerica.com. Discover this land like never before. So, I just hit the slots again. Felt pretty good this time. Didn't feel right this time. Sure enough... I started really getting into it. Sure enough, I started really regretting it. I ended up staying for a while. Ended up staying too long. Then I headed home to my wife. I don't know what to tell my wife. I can't wait to go back. I can't keep
7: going back. If your gambling gives you mixed feelings, tune into them. Learn how at knowthesigns.ca. A message from the Responsible Gambling Council.
6: How difficult is it for you to get around? How long does it take you to walk a city block? How does a refund from the government sound?
5: I got one, a refund of over $5,000 because of my arthritis.
11: I had so little to do. Grants International did everything for me and got me a sizable refund of $20,000. If you have difficulty
6: walking and you pay income tax, Grants International will get you that refund, or there's no
5: charge. I have no hesitation recommending Grants to anyone. They know how to get through the red
6: tape and were very helpful. How big a refund will you get? Call Grants International and find out. Here comes the number.
12: Grants International for your refund. one
10: 888
6: Sign up now. You have nothing to lose and a refund to gain. Call one 999 221
8: Hey, Toronto. It's time to see the pros get back on the ice and let your fan out with a few thousand of your closest friends. Start with the StubHub app for seats you'll love whenever you want. Plus, you can personalize the StubHub app with your teams and artists and grab great tickets. And because every purchase is backed by the StubHub Fan Protect Guarantee, you can buy and sell with confidence. So get the StubHub app today. StubHub.
4: Let your fan out. Nina's home was built in 1908. It's almost like the windows were from 1908. Boy, did she need new windows. Nina got magic windows.
6: I wanted to be able to sit in my beautiful comfy chair by the window in the bitterness of February and not have to have a blanket around my legs and wear an extra hoodie or a sweater.
4: Nina chose the most energy efficient windows in all of North America.
6: That was Magic Window.
4: Learn more at magicwindow.ca. The engineering is brilliant. The performance is magic.
0: The Chris Robinson Travel Show is brought to you by the Oregon Trail, retracing the steps of American pioneers. Seeing the world through your radio. You're
1: listening to the Chris Robinson Travel Show on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to the Chris Robinson Travel Show. We're on location on one of the great American road trips, the Oregon Trail we have already driven more than 3,000 kilometres ever westwards from Missouri through Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Montana and Idaho. Now we embark on the final stage of this monumental journey as we enter the destination of those hundreds of thousands of 19th century pioneers, Oregon Territory and the shores of the Pacific Ocean. Westward Ho! We have crossed from Idaho into eastern Oregon to arrive at the National Historic Oregon Trail Interpretive Center just outside of Baker City. And here I'm meeting Alice Trindle, who is the executive director of the Regional Eastern Oregon Visitors Association. And the drive here from the Idaho border is a scenic highlight of this entire Oregon Trail road trip, Alice. But... No news to you.
12: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Chris. Uh, You've entered into Oregon, Oregon Territory and the state of Oregon. And as we sit here at the National Historic Oregon Trail Interpretive Center, uh, we look out on the Blue Mountains and uh, the wonderful experience that we have here today. But the scariness that uh, the pioneers had as they saw these mountains for the first time.
1: Yes, they've come so far. The end is, they must almost be able to smell the ocean just over there, but they've still got some of the, the greatest hardships to come.
12: They have a whole month left ahead of them and two major obstacles and of course many more decisions to make. They have the Blue Mountains which they have seen now as they've come into the beautiful Baker Valley um, and they realize that they still have to cross those and then out to the Columbia River where they make a decision to either go by raft or up over uh, what eventually became the Barlow Road. Both. very treacherous decisions and not easy to make.
1: We are looking out over a portion of the trail here. This uh, wonderful interpretive center is situated right on top of a hill, looking out physically over the trail. You can see the trail wending its way down below.
12: You absolutely can and one of the unique things about this interpretive center is uh, not just the positioning but your ability to be able to get out and truly experience the trail. Feel that wind on your face, uh, hear the voices of those pioneers.
1: And as we travel westwards on our road trip there is plenty to see here uh, alongside of the trail in Oregon.
12: Oregon has done a wonderful job of uh, marking our Oregon Trail and actually has built four major interpretive centers uh, along the route for you to get that true message uh, from the Native American perspective to what happened after the pioneers made it through to the land of Eden in the Willamette Valley.
1: It's not sufficiently understood that the Native Americans saved many, many more lives than than they they took in the Years of uh, some conflict.
12: That's true, and uh, we have a wonderful interpretive center uh, here in Oregon, not very far uh, from where we are sitting right here today, called the Tamuslik. Cultural Institute, and there they do tell the story of the Native Americans, um, not just what they were, uh, uh, but also what they are right now and what they will become. It's a, it's a wonderful place.
1: Well, uh, yet another sight for us to see en route. Thank you very much indeed for these insights, Alice, and I think we've just about got time to go out and walk some of that trail and hear some of those whispers in the wind.
12: Excellent. We just invite you to come and uh, back again and spend a bit
1: more time. I took Alice's advice to visit the Tomaslik Cultural Institute near Pendleton, Oregon, and I was really pleased that I did. It tells the story of the Oregon Trail from the Native American viewpoint as the new emigrants trickled and then poured along the trail. It's an insightful balance to the stories of the pioneers on the trail. But then, on westwards to the Dalles, and this is the point on the daunting Columbia River where our pioneers had a heart-rending decision to make. Load up their wagons on rafts, to chance the destructive rapids of the Columbia Gorge, or brave the snows of 11,000-foot Mount Hood to the south. It was the last and possibly the greatest hurdle on the entire trail before the weary folk reached the Promised Land. My road trip has followed the Columbia River all the way to the Pacific Ocean, to old Fort Clatsop and the Lewis and Clark National Historical Park, where ranger Sally Freeman has been showing me around. And Sally, it was really Lewis and Clark's expedition in 1805-1806 that made the Oregon Trail possible, wasn't it?
5: The first version of the printed journals came out in 1814, and it was a two-volume set. And we've talked to literature collectors and librarians, and, and they explained to us that the two volumes are a narrative about uh, what happened daily on the expedition, um, an edited narrative. And on the inside front cover of the first volume in the original printings, there was a thin papered map and it's often called Clark's Track Map, and it's um, the first published uh, version of the result of the expedition. And it filled in the blanks on the American West, and whenever they find these books, the maps have always been torn out. <laughs> and literally, people may or may not have read the text, and what they wanted was that map. And people started planning their lives around what might be in the West so Sally, for road trippers uh, coming to Fort Clatsop now, what is their experience going to be like? Well, we have a visitor centre with exhibits and movies about the journey and the people who were here to greet them. And uh, the main thing here, though, has always been the site of Fort Clatsop. And we have a replica built to scale based on a floor plan in William Clark's journals. It's, it was terrific
1: actually talking to you about uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition because, of course, we found that there was a member of the expedition. Well, you only ever hear about Lewis and Clark. the big Right. But there were other members on that expedition, who did the the entire uh, route with them. Mm-hmm. And one of them later returned to to do the Oregon Trail.
5: Yeah, exactly. Alexander Willard was a, a private in the U.S. Army on our expedition. And uh, years later, he and his wife, we just checked, I think he was in his 70s, um, they ended up emigrating to California on the Oregon Trail. Thank you so much for
1: spending time and illuminating uh, Lewis and Clark's journey to the Pacific for us. Uh, now, I am going to complete uh, at least my own uh, Oregon Trail road trip by driving south along the Oregon coast to Cannon Beach, where the Oregon Trail reaches the Pacific Ocean. Thanks,
5: Sally. Thank you. Have a great trip. I started my Oregon
1: Trail road trip up to my knees in the muddy Missouri River, and now I reach Journey's End at Cannon Beach on the Pacific coast of Oregon. So it seems appropriate somehow to end this show standing amidst the roaring waves and rollers of the mighty Pacific Ocean. My road trip has taken me over 4,400 kilometres and through seven US states. And what a trip. Majestic scenery, big skies, rolling prairies and towering mountains, and the road, always the open road, stretching ahead of me full of promise. One of the delights of this trip has been the unexpected, the sign that says, look out, waterfall, forest hike or ice cream parlour. And that diversity is extended to my nightly stops, from quirky B&Bs to boutique hotels to grand mountain lodges. All along the way, the pioneers of the 1800s have been travelling with me. I've walked in the ruts made by their wagons, seen the rocks where they carved their names, stopped at the springs where they camped, and gazed ahead to the landmarks they used to navigate their way. What an amazing, brave, exciting journey, and I've just been privileged to follow them all the way here to the Pacific Ocean. As with all great road trips, it suggests the next one. This would be the perfect place to start a drive down the Pacific coast to California. Well, maybe next time. But this road trip has come to an end. Tomorrow I fly back in hours over a route that took months for these Oregon Trail pioneers. Many helpful hands facilitated my journey and I'd like to thank them. Richard in Kansas, Angela in Nebraska, Wanda in South Dakota, Mickey in Wyoming, Diane and Nancy in Idaho, Corey in Oregon, and Sana, Patrice and Marisa in the Canadian office of Brand USA. To find out more about road trips all over the US, seek out the discoveramerica.com website. Go to the Explore tab and click on the road trips for a tons of ideas from this Oregon Trail to the Blues Highway to Route 66. And, of course, as always, lots more information at chrisrobinsontravelshow.com. Meanwhile, with my toes in the sand and the Pacific Ocean lapping at my feet, happy trails and join me next week for another travel experience. Hi, Chris Robinson here again with the weekly roundup of travel news. Tis the season of mellow fruitfulness, so here are a few suggestions for trips close to home for the Thanksgiving weekend. The biggest nearby festival is certainly Kitchener's Oktoberfest, billed as Canada's largest Bavarian festival. It is expected to attract over 150,000 visitors to the Kitchener-Waterloo area on Thanksgiving morning, when the big parade starts at 8.45am. The festival stretches from October 9th to 17th. Get out and enjoy nature at Owen Sound's Salmon Celebration, where you can watch salmon spawning in their natural environment. Or take the York-Durham Railway Fall Colour Tour to see the leaves at their best along the Oak Ridges Moraine. Or for some old-fashioned fun and agricultural delights, try the Norfolk Country Fair and Horse Show in Simcoe over the long weekend weekend or Woodbridge Fall Fair at the Woodbridge Fairgrounds for midway rides, craft displays and lots more. What is the single most amazing sight in the world? Well, the world's leading travel media company, Lonely Planet, has the answer. Ultimate Travel, our list of the 500 best places to see, published this week, is the definitive bucket list of the world's greatest sights as voted on by Lonely Planet's globe-trotting experts. To create this list, the Lonely Planet team scoured every guide to compile all the highlights which caught their attention over the past 40 years. Then, their vast community of staff and writers voted on the places that they found the most thrilling, memorable, timeless and downright interesting to narrow down the list. Yellowstone National Park that we covered on the travel show last week was just outside of the top 10. And here is that list of those ultimate travel top 10 destinations. Starting at number 10 is the Great Mosque of Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, in Turkey. We'll be featuring this on the travel show later this month. Next is the Moorish Palace of the Alhambra in Granada, in Spain. At number 8, the most stupendous waterfall in the world, Iguazu Falls, on the borders of Brazil and Argentina. Seventh is the Gladiatorial Colosseum in Rome, And sixth is the mighty Grand Canyon National Park in the States. The incomparable Taj Mahal in Agra, India, comes in at number five. And fourth is the Great Wall of China. The third best place in the world is Machu Picchu, the last redoubt of the Incas high in the Peruvian Andes. Second is the Great Barrier Reef on the eastern coast of Australia, now alas in peril due to climate change-induced coral bleaching. But atop of them all, and drumroll please, are those mystical and fantastic temples of Angkor Wat, the greatest treasure of a Hindu kingdom that once stretched as far as Burma, Laos and southern China, and the crown jewel in a complex of more than 1,000 temples, shrines and tombs. I've been to 8 out of the 10, so I need to plan to top up on my personal bucket list soon. My deal of the week this week is with Porter Airlines. Their introductory round-trip fares are just $159 for flights from Toronto to North Bay. It's a great deal for a weekend getaway to this overlooked corner of our province. Book by next Wednesday and travel by February 11th to take advantage of this deal. Next week on The Travel Show, we're taking our seat in Air Canada's new Dreamliner plane for the trip to India as they launch their new service to Delhi. We'll be covering not only the sights and sounds of Delhi, but also the major travel destinations that can be accessed easily from the city, including, of course, one of those top ten sites on the Lonely Planet list, the romantic Taj Mahal. Take a virtual trip on the ChrisRobinsonTravelShow.com website for the details of this show, and of course join me at 1pm next Saturday or Sunday here on the Travel Show on Zuma Radio to experience incredible India on the Chris Robinson Travel Show.